we have been on a journey for the past couple of weeks on this on the story of Jonah, the story of Jonah, and we share with you different stories on Jonah's life. Jonah's life is quite an incredible uh, character or story in the Bible about his life. First of all, he, we found him running from God. He, he ran from God and God spoke to his life. God wanted to use him in a, in a powerful, mighty way. And what Jonah decided to do, he decided to run from God. We talk about resisting God, how he resists the, the, the calling on his life. And he ended up in a place where that, that, uh, in, a, in a place that he didn't want to be in because resisting from God. Sometimes we can try to run from God, but how I many know we can outrun God? You know, that the, the will of God, the calling of God, the, that stir in our hearts and our spirits, it's, it's there. You just can't get rid of it. But today I want to speak to you about the turnaround on Jonah's life. The turnaround. Sometimes in our own personal life, there's, um, there's have to be a wake-up call in our life. There's have to be something within our spirits that captivates and, 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 and awaken the will of God in our lives. And, and, and you get to the point that you say, you know what, I can't continue doing what I'm doing. I can't continue living the way I'm living. You know, and here we found in this story of Jonah, there have always been some skepticism regarding the book of Jonah. Some have tried to say that it is a functional book that teaches us a good moral lesson by using parables. Others have attempted to prove that the book have no truth to it at all. One of the main reasons for this skepticism comes from, from verse 17 in our text where it says, Now the Lord have arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. The question that skeptics will ask, is this really possible? When we teach or preach about Jonah, when we get to this particular scripture, this is the one that people have a hard time accepting. Can a person live inside of a fish for three days? Can a man actually be swallowed whole by a fish? And so how can he possibly survive? The simple but sometimes unsatisfactory story answer is, is all things are possible with God. You know, as you say, well, how is that possible? Well, with God, all things are possible. The text said that God provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. Certainly that could be, we could do that. God can do that, right? But, but of course, skeptics demand to scientific evidence and some enlightening evidence that have, has been discovered. In 1928, a copy of the Daily Mail, Mr. G.H. Hamm, tell us, tell us of walking inside the body of a dead well. He said that the throat was like a door leading to a large room. Another account tells us of a sperm whale whose stomach contains a 16-foot shark skeleton. The most striking incident comes from Paris Journal of Science. In 1891, the wall ship Star of the East was on the vicinity of the Funk Land 
islands when they spotted a large sperm whale. Two boats were lowered on one of the harpness was able to spear the great fish. As the second boat attacked the fish, the fish's tail overturned the boat. One man drowned, but another, James Barclay, disappeared. The whale was killed and drawn up beside the ship. The crew worked the rest of the day, part of the night, removing the lard. The next day, the whale's stomach was attached to some tackles and hoisted on deck. When the stomach was split open, James Barclay was found unconscious but alive. When he revived, witness said that he acted like a raven lunatic. Finally, after two weeks, he was able to regain his composure and tell his story. He said that when the boat overturned, the waters foamed around him, and then he was drawn into darkness. He soon found himself in a great place where, he, where the heat was intense. In a dark, he searched for an exit and found only slimy wall around him. Then the awful truth of where he was filled his mind and he became unconscious until he was revived on deck of the ship. In addition to all this, how can someone believe that God can raise Jesus from the dead. But we cannot believe that God can, that a man can survive inside of a fish. Think about it for a moment. And on top of that, Jesus himself believed the story of Jonah was to be taken literally. Because he said in Matthew twelve forty, For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of of the earth for three days and three nights. Even Jesus himself referenced the story of Jonah when he was teaching. That the story that we read that many skeptics say, how is it possible that God can use a fish and swallow a man and, and survive? Well, like I said it, and I'll say it again, with God, all things are possible. Now, let me tell you this. Let me tell you all the rest. To help you see the story, it is true to remind you of at least part of what Jonah was going through. But to stop with only a proof that a whale can swallow a man would be to miss the whole point of this portion of this book. For more important, Jonah was, has been swallowed by a whale. It is the fact that Jonah repented to God. When he found himself in that dark place, in that, in that belly of that, of, that, of that well, he had a turnaround. He had a turnaround encounter that he realized, this is the moment in my life that I need to turn around right now. Have you ever been in a place or situation when you, where you're facing <clears throat> circumstances before you and you say, I better change now because if not, this is not going to end pretty. There there's have to be a turnaround. And today we need to focus on this act of repentance. So that we can follow on his footsteps that we need to repent to God ourselves. Listen to this, the rest of the story. In Jonah chapter 1, 17, 2 through 10, this is what it says. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. 
And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. He said, I cry out to the Lord in my great trouble. And he answered me. I called to him from the land of the dead. And Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths. And I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth. Those gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord, my God, snatched me from the jaws of death as my life was slipping away. I remember the, the Lord and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs all on, on God's mercy. But I will offer sacrifice to you with songs of praise and I will fulfill all my vows for my salvation comes from the Lord. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out on the beach. Think about it. Let us think for a moment. Here Jonah was swallowed by the fish. He was taken to the depth of the ocean with this, with this well. And, and inside of this well, he starts to praise God. He starts asking God. He starts asking for forgiveness. And he had a turnaround encounter. He had a turnaround moment. And then the Lord commanded the fish to come back from the depths of the ocean and comes back to surface and then goes back to the, to the seashore and spit Jonah out. Can you imagine what a ride that was? And here Jonah found himself in all of that situation. Now let's talk about this for a moment and I'm going to rush through this. Repentance comes from realization. Notice that the Bible says that he was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. What do you, what do you think was, was on Jonah's mind inside that fish? Frank Lambash used to speak about what he called his game with minutes. Listen to this. The idea is to take a given hour each day and see how many minutes during the hour you can be conscious of God's presence. Richard Foster was reading Frank Lambert's journal and said, When I first began to read Frank's journal, I was puzzled by notations at the top of each day. Conscience, 50%. Con conscience, 25%. Conscience, 80%. Frank had given no explanations of these journal notations, which puzzled Richard Foster all the more. But finally, Foster realized that, that Frank had been playing his little game with minutes and recording the percentage of each day that he felt he had been conscious of God's presence. I guarantee you're pretty sure that I would venture to say if Jonah had been playing Frank's game, he would have been given all honestly that he was conscious of God's presence 100% of the time. That he realized that if I'm in this situation, that I am giving my attention 
and my, my conscience totally to the presence of God. You know what? And I think our lives needs to be surrounded and surrendered to the presence of God in our life. Not just on Sunday morning, not just here and there, but we are emerged, that we are, that we are surrounded in conscience and realizing that we want to be in the presence of God. Jonah found himself 100% of the time. Perhaps Jonah hadn't realized how serious his condition really was until now. Maybe he had thought that if he stayed away from God long enough, God would eventually just give up, leave him alone. How many know God doesn't leave you alone? If God wants to use you, there's a calling in your life, God will search your heart. When the storm came and Jonah was thrown overboard, he might have imagined that he was in uh, was the end of him. But God was not finished with him yet. You know what, people? If you remember the story, the world, the people on the boat, you know, that signifies the world threw Jonah off of the boat. And sometimes the world will throw you off. Huh? The world will give up on you. The world will kick you while you're down. But ain't you glad this morning that even when you're down, that even when you're discouraged and you feel like there's no way around and there's no way out, ain't you glad that you can call upon the Lord God Almighty and He will rescue you. He will pick you up. When others will let you down, Jesus will pick you up. Hallelujah. A turnaround. See, God provided a way for Jonah to, to, to some long, hard, serious, mis, 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 undisturbing thinking. Jonah soon came to realize how desperately out of, out of, out of whack his relationship with God was. He realized, man, I, have, I am so messed up. I look good on the outside. I mean, I smell good and I look great. I go to church on Sunday and I look good. I'm fooling everybody, but I can't fool God. God knows every detail about my life. God knows what I'm doing wrong and what I'm doing right. God knows all about it. And here's what Jonah thought. Man, he thought he, he had it all together just to realize he wasn't. Let me remind you that 72 hours is long time to think. 72 hours. He has 72 hours in that belly to think in the presence of God continuously. We're, we have nowhere else to go. There's nothing else to do but just to think on God. He found himself in the depth of the ocean. And he says, man, I can, call from, I can call God's name from the bottom of the ocean. And God hears my prayer. God hears my cry. Especially when he's been in the stinky, slimy, dark pit of a fish stomach whose natural processes are trying to break down for digesting processes, purposes. Three days and nights in that environment are enough to make anyone desperate. But you know, that's the point most of us must reach before we're willing to take action and repent to God. When you get to the point that there's no other way, sometimes God has a way of bringing you to a place when you think that you can do it all by yourself and God can humble you real quickly. 
God can humble your life. God can take things away from you that you think are important. You know, they become more important than God. God has a way of humbling you and, and, and changing things. And that's what Jonah is experiencing in his life. Three days and nights in that environment are enough to make anyone desperate to realize, man, I need a turnaround in my life. But you know, that's the point where most of us must reach before we're willing to take action and repent to God. Sometimes we have to get to our lowest point before we're ready to look up to the face, almighty God. That we, man, I've talked to people that they were down to the bottom and said, man, this is, you know what? There is nowhere to go but to go up. You know, when you hit the bottom, you, you go through a crisis, you go through a tragedy, you know, you go through something, you wonder, you want to give up, you want just to throw in the towel and say, you know what, all, all this stuff ain't worth nothing. And you hit, you hit a place in your life when nothing, and you say, there, there, I can't go no farther down no more. The only way I can do is to go up now. And that's looking up to God. You know, people find themselves looking to God when they're in, in, in a situation that they think there's no way out, but just to find that God has always been there. How desperate you must become before you realize Jesus Christ as Lord. Your answer might be determined how desperate God will allow you to, will allow your situation to get. Man, I tell you what, when, sometimes, and you know that God, God can squeeze tight sometimes. You know, maybe I'm talking to perfect folks on here. Let me go to this, this side over here. You know what? Anybody I know I'm talking about? Have anybody gone through something? You wonder, man, I wonder how I'm going to make it through. I wonder how I'm going to come out of this one. You know what? I, I, I'm in the pit. I'm in a hole. I, I'm in a pickle. But I tell you what, God is going to find a way. God's going to make a way out for me when I think there's no way out. God will find a way for my life. If I surrender to God, if I give it all to God, if I surrender my life to God, how desperate did you have to become? When you get to that point, realize that the only thing you can do is repent to God. You know, when the world tries to bury you, you got to make a way out. And God will give you the ability. God will give you that. Repentance comes from reconsider reconsideration. When a person becomes desperate enough, they will, they will sometimes reconsider what God has been trying to tell them all along. After spending some time in the belly of a fish, Jonah decided God's way was not so bad after all. How many know something you reconsider sometimes when you are in a situation, you know what, that, where I was before was not that bad after all. Because sometimes you look at the neighbor's yard, it looks green, it looks wonderful, just to realize and find out that was a septic tank underneath that grass. That's why it was green all the time. Even in the winter was green. And sometimes we need to see that, that we, sometimes we need to reconsider and realize that, my, that sometimes God is trying to show you that what you're going through and what you are right now is not that bad after all. Sometimes we need to learn to count our blessings. Amen. 
You know, count up the blessings you have. And I know it's not always the way we want it. And I know it's not always perfect. And I know it doesn't always work out the way we want it. And we know this and that. But at the end of the day, you are blessed. In every community, there are some Christians who are members of a local church who know that there is life. Their life is out of step with God's will for them. Man, there are people in our city, there's people in our churches, there's people in our community that they know that they're out of the will of God in their lives. And even though that is evident to them, they make up their mind that they're not going to change. That they're not going to change. But let them get desperate enough. Let get desperate enough or put them in a crisis situation and they may decide to reconsider God's way. I tell you what, people living for God, people going for God, you know, and, and then they turn their back on God, and then there's something happens in their life. They get a doctor report. Oh, pastor. Oh, pastor. And now, you know what? Now they become all spiritual. You know what? Because you have hit a crisis. And when you're going through a crisis, then you're looking up to God. That's the reason you have to serve God, not, not only when you're in the valley and not only when you're tough. You need to serve God all the time. So when the valley comes, when the crisis comes, my friend, you know what? You're already in tune with the Spirit of God. You know, and allow God to help you through whatever you're going through. Because sometimes when you are down, you don't feel like praising. But I tell you what, all the praising that you've done before, you have taken it to the bank in its interest. Come on now. It's praise and interest. So even when you're down, your praise is praising for you. Oh, my goodness. Somebody know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, there are times when you're down and discouraged, you don't feel like praising God. There's times that you, you're not, you don't feel encouraged. There are times that you don't feel super, super spiritual when you're going through a crisis. You know, it's easy when people tell you, oh, just get over it. No, you, you don't, you, you, you're not going through what I'm going through right now. But when you're going through it, Jonah was going through it. And there's people who are, have to come to a place that they get desperate. Maybe God has been convicting you of sin recently. Maybe, you, maybe, you're, maybe you're convicting, you, you've been convicting, God wants you to, to, to be a more moral, more verbal witness for Him. Maybe you're, you're, you're convicted that you should give more to the Lord's work. Maybe you see an extra, an area in the church where you could minister effectively, get involved in the kingdom of God. Maybe there's some secret sense in your life that you have been holding on and, and now you see you see your, your need to, to let it go. The question is, are you convinced God's ways is best? Have you come to a point in your life where you realize God knows more than you do? You know what? God knows better. God has a better plan for your life than, you, than your plan that you have for your life. You think you have a good, good plan for your life? I tell you what, you surrender to God's plan, His plan is a whole lot better than your plan. You surrender to God's will in your life. Do you understand that God has chosen a path for you to walk down, and that path is the right path? 
true repentance involve realizing my own family, my, my own problems, so that, that I can rely only on God's strength. Man, it's when you realize, man, I can't do without. I need God. It is saying I realize my imperfections, and, I, and I'm ready to rely on the one who, who is perfect. I'm willing to follow God's will instead of my, my own. Man, that's what it means. The question again is, are you convinced God's ways is best? Man, God's ways is best for my life. If not, then you're saying God's not yet, then you have not become desperate enough. If not fully convicted, convinced that you, that, that, that God's best, that God has the best purpose, the best plan for your life. You know, people try to plan their lives and plan their futures. You know what? What is God saying? You know, what is God saying? I think sometimes we need to plan our future, but let's get God involved in the plan too. That's what I'm trying to say. We got to plan. We got to prepare. We got to make provision. We got to make plans. But let God involve in the plans. Let God tell you, yes, it's a good plan. And let God tell you, no, that's, not, that's a big mistake. You know, let's, let's find the peace of God in our spirit. You know, when you're doing something, you know, that even, you know, when you're doing something, ask God for that plan in your life. You find peace on it. And the last thing I'm real quickly is this. Repentance comes from responsibility. The Bible says, says I will offer sacrifice to you with strong songs of praise and i will fulfill all my vows for my salvation comes from the lord alone it is one thing to be desperate in another to realize god's ways god's way is best how many times has god have you had to listen bargaining prayers that says god if you will get me out of this crisis situation then I will always serve you. How many have heard that? Say, God, if you, if, you, if you touch my body and heal me, then I'll serve you all my life. Oh, Lord, if you restore this in my life, then I'll serve you all my life. You know, they're, they're making bargains with God. You know, like, a, like it's just a, a poker game and say, you know, I'll make you a deal, make a deal. You know what? It doesn't work that way. We all know that when, when the crisis ends, the commitment usually ends also. You know, I've seen people, who, man, they, they, they're praying for their marriage. Oh, God, you know, I see men or women, you know, oh, God, you know, if you bring my wife back, Lord, if you bring my children back to church, you know, I will serve you. And then when the children come back to church, the wife comes back to church, they, what, they're, they're, no, they stay home. Or the child gets healed. Then they forget about God. Oh, this is, this is too hot to handle. Move on. To illustrate the point of commitment to his youngest son, the father asked the boy this question. He said, three frogs were sitting on one log and decided to jump off. How many frogs are left? The young boy answered, oh, that's easy. Two. The father said, you, have, you were not listening. Let me try again. Three frogs were sitting on one log and one decide to jump off, how many frogs are left? The boy thought for a moment and answered, three, because one had only decided to jump. 
he has never committed himself to do it. This boy understood something you and I are often slow to learn. Commitment is more than decision making. It is following through with, with that decision with action. In other words, if I promise you, if I commit something to you, I'm going to fulfill that commitment. I'm going to follow through. And what happens is with God sometimes there, there comes a responsibility serving the Lord. There's a responsibility that comes. It's more than just coming to church. It's more than just going to, you know, here and there. You know, there is, a, there is a responsibility that comes, that follows along with your Christian walk with God. As Christian believers, most of you here this morning, I believe most of you are Christians. You know what? We need to fulfill the commitment with God, not just say, I'm a Christian. No, you need to fulfill the responsibility of a Christian. Go to church, read your Bible, pray, be devoted to the things of God. Get involved in the ministry. Let's, let's further the kingdom of God. Every person in the sound of my voice have a responsibility. Every person in the sound of my voice have a ministry in this church. You know what? We can be, we can be just consumers or we can be participators and in, in get involved in the kingdom of God. You know what? And that's what we need to do as a church. Consider the example of marriage. It's one thing to want to be married. To believe marriage is the best way. It is quite another thing to commit yourself to a particular person for the rest of your life. I tell you, I tell you when you're dating, when you're engaged, it's different than when you get married. Trust me. When, when you're dating somebody, they go home. Supposed to go home. I hope they go home. I hope you ain't shacking up. And see, I hope you ain't living together and shacking up. You need to get married then. Am I telling the truth? But there's a difference between dating and getting married. How I many you know when you get married, it's a different commitment? You'll hear him snore. He'll smell funny. How I many you know it's different when you're married? Where's Jennifer? Back there. Anyone talking about? Everybody's cute when you're dating. It's marriage. It's, it's a commitment for the rest of your life to that one person. Jonah vowed to commit himself to the Lord in chapter 3. Reveals that he followed through to that commitment. Usually that is where we re repent is short-sighted. Real repentance includes commitment with whole self to God. He said, you know what? I am, I am, I'm dedicating everything to God. And how I many you know when you're down in the valley and when you're down in the valley or you're in down in the in the depths of that belly of that well, how I many you know you're gonna make it right to God? Let's turn around. It is, it is a sorrow for your wrongdoing, come here, that leads to acceptance and performance of a new way of life. Understand that that message from God's word is not just repent. It is also come follow me. You know, it's not we just repent and say, God, just forgive me. I'm sorry. No, we need to 
if you, if you want to experience that turnaround, you have to also follow him. Not just turn around. Not just say, you know what, yes, I'm sorry, Lord, and, and I'll never do it again. No, no. We need to follow up with commitment. Say, God, I'll surrender it all to you. The Dallas Morning News, and I'm closing with this. The Dallas Morning News reported on how a modern money changing machine has the ability to to differentiate between $1 bills and $5 bills. The process is used, has two parts. First, it must identify the bill as valid. And second, it must determine the value. Both parts of the process depends on the magnetic signature on the bill. Treasury workers magnetize the ink in the signature to evaluate the bill and change the magnetic structure for bills of different denominations. The key to evaluating evaluation, it is the signature on the bill. How they can tell the difference between a dollar bill and a five dollar bill. The key to the value and the worth in the Christian life, it is, it is the mark of the Lord Jesus on the life of people. Paul wrote, I bear on my body the scars that show I belong to Christ. You know what? When you make that turnaround in your life, that there is evident, that there is an evidence in your life that you are serving the Lord. That there is evident in your life that you say, you know what? I belong to Jesus. You can see the scars in my life. You can see the battle wounds. You can see the dents in my life. All that I've been through. But through it all, the Lord has been good to me. The Lord has been faithful to me. And this is witness that I belong to Jesus. I belong to the Lord. Yes, I might be down sometimes. Yes, I've been discouraged sometimes. Yes, I've been down in the valley sometimes. But I've come to tell you that even as I'm in the pit, God is good. God is faithful. I've been sick before. I've been without before. I've been broke before. I've been without money before. I've been without a job before. But overall, God is good. God is faithful. God has seen me through it all. Woo! That's the God that I serve. Get up on your feet this morning. You're here this morning. You say, Pastor, man, I, 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 I turn around in my life. The Lord's signature in the life of a committed believer is what marks that life What marks in their life that is valid and valuable in each, each one of us lives. Turn around experiencing God. Let me ask you this question with, with just bow your heads for a moment. You said, Pastor, I, I, I just need a touch of the Spirit of God in my life. I, I need the power of the glory of the Lord in my life. I need, His, I need a, a fresh fire in my spirit this morning. Lord, all that we're going through in the world, the pressure of the world, the, 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 the anxiety and, and the challenges, Lord, day after day we're, we're seeing what's happening. 
Father, we just need a turnaround in our own country. We need a turnaround in my own life this morning. God, I need you more than ever before. You say, God, I need your touch this morning. I need your strength this morning. My home needs your touch. My marriage needs your touch. My children needs your touch. God, we need you more than ever. We need your touch. 